Good morning, Grace Church. It is so. Okay, so hold on. Hold on. Let me give you context for what just happens. Um, that happens every single week. No, I'm just kidding. We actually, our students, uh, my name is Brandon, first of all. I'm the pastor here. And our students, our student ministry that I was able to lead for a few years just got back from a fall retreat. And so this room is going to be a little extra lively this morning, which I'm excited for. Uh, hey, so it is a special Sunday here in West Bridgewater and at Grace Church. We're celebrating 16 years, like Tim said. And um, some of you right now, you're probably like, but this church isn't 16 years old. And you're right. We actually, we're, we are a part of a church family called Grace Church. And this location was started just about three years ago, but... The original Grace Church was started 16 years ago in Sean and Billy Sears' living room um, in Stoughton, Massachusetts. And since that day, 16 years ago, Grace Church has helped to plant eight different churches all over the South Shore. And it doesn't stop there. And we're, we're one of those uh, eight, by the way. Not only that, but in 2022, we're super excited. Some of you might know Pastor Jason Cross, who we've heard from a few times. Um, we will be helping him plant Captured Heart Church in Randolph next year, as well as launching Grace Church in Holbrook in 2022, which we are super, super excited about. Um, not only that, but some of you might know our life groups right now are packed. We have some life group leaders that are apprenticing that will be launching their own life groups in 2022. And over the past year, Grace Church as a whole, we have seen 250 people baptized in Grace Churches across the South Shore. We've seen countless people go all in and start following Jesus and some of you might know about our Hope Project, which this is our annual generosity campaign that we do every single year at Grace Church, where we take, uh, we raise and give money, and we're radically generous with church planters and missionaries and people all over the world, nationally and locally. And Grace Church, as a whole, over the past year, a year filled with COVID and a, and a hard year for a lot of people. Grace Church gave over $500,000 to the Hope Project to send out, which is just incredible, just unbelievable. So why am I sharing all of this? It's to remind us of how faithful God has been. God's been faithful over 16 years. God's been faithful for us here in West Bridgewater over the last three years. And we are a part of something so much bigger than just what's happening here in West Bridgewater. Sometimes I think we forget that, that we are a part of the global church, the big C church, the church that is happening in Africa, in the Middle East, and in Asia, and right here in West Bridgewater. We are a part of that. And while it's important to remember the past, we can't stay stuck there. We cannot get stuck in the past. In Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, it actually tells us that it's important to remember the past. Remember the things I have done in the past, says God. For I alone am God, and I am God, and there is no one like me. So what the book of Isaiah tells us is, yes, it is important to remember the past, but not to get stuck there. 
We can't become like that high school friend that maybe we all have who's now 45 but can't seem to get past reliving the glory days, right? We remember the abundant goodness of God in our past so that we have fuel to run in the present and dream bigger dreams for our future. That's why we remember the past. And what if all of that God has done at Grace Church over the past 16 years and God has done here in West Bridgewater over the past three years, what if that is just the warm-up for what's next? Yes, we started a church in West Bridgewater, and yes, our services are packed on a Sunday, and all of those things are great, but our mission as a church, as part of the global church, is far from over. In fact, we're still just getting started because the call to follow Jesus, to go all in on Jesus, is so much bigger than just filling up a couple of services on Sunday and having a church building. And we see this so clearly in what Jesus taught his disciples. So I want you all to turn to Luke chapter 5. So that's the New Testament. So the second half of your Bible, you have Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, the third book of the New Testament. Luke chapter 5, open it up on the Bible app or grab a Bible in front of you. We'll also have it on the screens. But here's what's kind of going on. So Jesus has come on the scene and he's begun his ministry. He's begun traveling from town to town. And what we see in the chapter right before this is Jesus actually has begun to perform miracles. He has healed people. He casts out a demon from somebody. And now he is preaching everywhere that he goes. And that brings us to Luke chapter 5, where he calls the first disciples, the people that would follow him and learn from him over the next three years of their lives, his closest friends. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, here's what it says. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Now, some of you that maybe know your Bible a little bit, you might recognize that name Simon. And that's because later in the New Testament, he goes by a different name, and that's Peter. And Peter, this is the same Peter that denies that he even knew Jesus three times before Jesus is crucified. This is the same Peter that Jesus says, I will build my church on you. This is the same Peter that Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. This is our first interaction with Peter. And I'm, it, it's so cool because I want you to notice something that Jesus does. He asks Peter to do something that's a little inconvenient. And what Jesus is doing is Jesus is giving Peter a little taste of what it's going to be like to follow him. It's not always going to be convenient. In fact, most of the time, following Jesus is going to be inconvenient and not according to our plan. But we see Peter do it. Peter pushes the boat out. And then in verses 4 and 5, 
It says this, when he had finished speaking, this is Jesus, he said to Simon, Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse 5, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. This is kind of like Peter going, listen, Jesus, you stick to teaching, I'll stick to fishing, okay? We, we, you, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. I worked hard all night, I didn't catch anything, I don't really understand. And he pushes back a little bit, but ultimately he trusts Jesus. And that trust, that step of obedience was what Jesus was looking for. Sometimes Jesus is looking for just our little step of obedience. Even if we push back, he's ultimately looking for that step of obedience. And when we take that step, listen to how Jesus blesses Peter's obedience. Verses 6 to 11. And this time, they let their nets out and they were so full of fish that they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Verse 11, and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now in Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 19, we see it put this way. It says, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. See, when you surrender your life, To following Jesus, Jesus makes people into fishermen. He makes people into fishermen. See, Peter was, he's an ordinary guy. This was like his regular career was just fishing. This is what he did. And then Jesus shows up. And what we see from Jesus is that he was more worried about what Peter would produce spiritually than what Peter would produce in his career. And so he challenges him. And this morning, your life, you sitting in this room right now, your life is worth more than just making money, having a home, moving up in your career, being popular in your school, or just living for the next thing. God has put a call and a plan and a purpose on your life, and it's worth so much more than that. And the call that Jesus has for Peter and the rest of the disciples here is to be fishers of men. And that same call is true of you this morning if you've put your faith in Jesus. You're meant to, to do so much more. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So what do you do this morning? Are you a lawyer? Are you a stay-at-home parent? Are you an electrician? Are you a teacher? Are you a student? Are you a nurse? Or not, let's take it even beyond just career, right? Or, or what we're doing right now. Let's, let's bring it even up higher. Are, what else do you do? Do you date people? Do you have hobbies? Do you spend time with your family? What if we started to shift our mind 
And, and, and instead of looking at it one way, we start to look at it as, how can I use all of this for the glory of God? See, the Bible says in Romans, uh, in the book of Romans, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you start to follow Jesus, that shifts, that starts to transform how you live, what you say, how you interact with people, how you view, view your career, how you view your family, how you view your friends. It changes everything. Becoming fishers of men, and when I say fishing for men, I want to clarify this. I'm not just talking about what all the single ladies in the house are doing, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. When I say fishers of men, I'm talking about men and women that are fishing for other people and leveraging their lives for the glory of God. What if your greatest desire for those around you, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers wasn't to see them succeed financially, wasn't to just become better friends, wasn't to have a cute family, wasn't to become Instagram famous, but your greatest desire for the people around you was to see them follow Jesus. It changes everything when you're transformed and your mind begins to be renewed to look at people and think of your life in that way. It's a sacrificial life, the same way that Jesus lived. And it should drive us to want to learn how we can become better fishers of men so that we can catch more fish. Because any professional fisherman that is here or in this building will tell you that fishermen are all about the fish. We have a guy in our church, one of my favorite people. Um, he is a professional fisherman. He's always out on the ocean catching different fish. If, you, if you're ever here on a Sunday morning and you see a guy hand me a pack of fish, okay, that's him. Because every Sunday he shows up with eight, six to eight packs of fish that he's just handing out to random people in the church to just bless them. But when you have a conversation with him, you will talk about fish. You'll only talk about fish. Because he is thinking about the fish. And I want to share a number with you this morning because this is what we need to be thinking about. In Plymouth County, which is where a lot of us live in Plymouth County, in 2010 there was a report done by the Association of Religion Data Archives. And in 2010 what they found is that 2.7% of people in the entire entire Plymouth County, which is about 13,000 people, are members of a church that is preaching the Bible and the gospel. 2.7%. Now, I'm no mathematician, but what that leaves us is 97.3% of people are not members or actively going to a church and hearing on a regular basis how much Jesus cares about them, how much Jesus loves them, that God not only gave his one and only son, but he did that so we can spend eternity with him. There are 97.3% of people in Plymouth County that are not hearing that. And if that number does not create urgency in your heart to help more people find and follow Jesus that are spiritually disconnected, you need to check your heart this morning. Because this 
is what it's about. This is about being fishers of men. This is why, yes, we can celebrate and have cupcakes and cookies and say, yeah, the past 16 years, the past almost three years have been just amazing. But we cannot live there because the need is too great. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38, we get this incredible glimpse of the heart of Jesus. And it says this, when he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Guys, there are so many people in Plymouth County all over the South Shore right now that are confused and helpless that are like sheep without a shepherd. What I love so unique about this passage is Jesus was actually, he had just taught a bunch. He had just performed a bunch of miracles. He was on his way to rest, to recover, and he looks out on the crowd. And he says, I can't, I, I can't, I can't just go rest right now. I have too much compassion on these people. And so he says to the disciples, the, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is great in Plymouth County right now, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. I know I want to tweak this just a little bit this morning. The fish are many, but the fishermen are few. See, I think sometimes at church what we can get really, really good at is hearing how to fish. We get great life tips on how to fish. We hear compelling stories about people that fish, but so often we become fishermen that are experts at fishing but don't spend any time on the lake. We don't spend any time on the ocean. But man, we got all the head knowledge that you can imagine and our goal here at Grace Church in West Bridgewater, the goal of the global church is not to just provide you with a church that you enjoy coming to. The goal here is that you can be better equipped so that you can reach those people that are outside these walls. It's not so that you will just become, this isn't life management. This isn't behavior modification. This isn't just so that you become a nicer, happier person, though I hope that happens. That's not what this is about. Everything we talk about here on a Sunday morning is to make you better fishermen. It's to make you better fishers of men. There's this uh, pastor I look up to. His name is John Tyson. He's in New York and. This past week, I was listening to him on a podcast, and he said this. I think it's so powerful. He said, love requires others. You don't have love without others. Love requires others. So if your practices at church don't push you to others, they aren't pushing you to love. If what you are learning and practicing at church is not being pushed, you're not taking it to other people, then you're not practicing love. This is why Grace Church, 16 years ago, this is why Grace Church in West Bridgewater was started. And Jesus reminds us so beautifully, I think he paints a really beautiful picture in Mark chapter 10, verses 
30, 43 to 45, I think he paints a real, really beautiful picture of why we started this church, why we planted almost three years ago. So basically, a couple disciples right before this, um, they come up to Jesus and they say, hey, can we ask you a question? And Jesus says, yes, of course. And the disciples look at him and say, hey, so when we get to heaven, uh, can we be seated right next to you? That way, when people look at us, they know we're important. They know to honor us because we're seated right next to you. And Jesus, the other disciples become so mad at these two to ask the question. And Je- listen to how Jesus responds to them in verses 43 to 45. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, God's one and only Son, the same Jesus, the same God that spoke everything into creation, that's here living on this earth to make a way for us to spend eternity with God, the same Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many among you, it will be different. If you have put your faith in me and started to follow me and gone all in on me among you, it will be about serving others, not being served. So like my friend, like like that pastor John Tyson said, as a follower of Jesus this morning, are, I want to ask you, are you here to be served? To make sure that everything we do here at Grace Church meets your preferential needs? Or to give your life as a ransom for many. Because the church should be a rescue team, not a retirement community. My life and your life, if you're following Jesus this morning, every single aspect of it is to be a tool that's used to help people come back to God. To help people follow Jesus. That's our mission at Grace Church in West Bridgewater. John chapter 13, verse 35 says this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now what Jesus doesn't say here is your political views will tell the world that you are my disciple. Jesus doesn't say your title will tell people that you are my disciple. He doesn't say your position in leadership will tell people that you are my disciple. Your, your, how many years you've been following me will not tell people that you are my disciple. In fact, it's one thing, and that's your love for the fish. It's your love for others. That will show people that you are a follower of Jesus. And as we heard earlier, there's a lot of people in Plymouth County right now that still do not know Jesus. And what that tells us is we can't stop fishing until all the fish are caught. We can't. The need is too great. Now, I think sometimes if you're anything like me, I hear a statistic like 97.3% of people in Plymouth County don't know Jesus. And I get stressed out. I'm like, how? How am I going to reach all those people? That's, that's what I think. I'm like, well, how, how am I supposed, God, I don't, I don't know how I can do that. I don't even know these people. 
And if that's you this morning, you're right. You, you can't. You can't reach all of those people. Luckily, God has called you to worry only about fishing in your pond. So where are you casting your net this morning? Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's at your job. It's on your sports team. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's your friend circle. Maybe it's at the Cumberland Farms that you go to at once a week. Maybe it's at that Dunkin' Donuts down the street that you visit way too often. <laughs> See, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It gives us, uh, Peter gives us a command. And this is a hard one. He says, instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. Not just after a Sunday when you've got the church high. Not just when you're with somebody that's been following Jesus for 20 years longer than you. Always be ready to explain it. See, there's a, there's a guy in the Old Testament, his name is Moses. And Moses is faced with a really difficult task, like I think we are when we look at Plymouth County. Moses has just led God's people out of Egypt, out of captivity. They were in captivity for 400 years, and Moses leads them out, and they're, they're on the run, and the Egyptians are chasing them. And they get to the Red Sea. And this is what happens in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 to 15. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And you read that and you're like, wow, Moses, that's a good speech. Like, that's way to be spiritual. Like, I just want to look like Moses. I want to sound more like Moses. This is, this is incredible. Look at the faith that he has. But listen to God's reply in verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. What? Tell the, tell the people to get moving? See, I think sometimes we can over-spiritualize our waiting. And what I mean by that is we say, God, you know, I'm just... I feel like you're, 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 you're asking me to go and pray for my neighbor. Let me just take 10 days and just pray about it. And we over-spiritualize our waiting and our lack of obedience, not out of reverence for God, but actually out of fear. We don't go and talk. Listen, I promise you, if God has asked you to go and pray for your neighbor, you don't have to pray 10 more days about it. Just go and pray for your neighbor. If God has asked you, if there's an opportunity at a Dunkin' Donuts when somebody asks, hey, you're always just so happy. Like, do you go to church? Like, what's, what's your deal? If somebody ever asks you that, don't say, let me get back to you in seven days. You just got to pray about this. Make sure I'm supposed to talk to you about my faith. Go and do it. Go and do it. Our head knowledge, sometimes it's overflowing. Meanwhile, we're doing exactly what James warns us not to do in, the God, in, in James chapter 1, verse 22. It says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're a fool. 
And this, this idea, being fishers of men, being obedient to what God has called us if we are following Jesus is so important that not only does Jesus introduce the disciples to this at the beginning, this is his final command to them before he leaves. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20, it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given authority on, on heaven and on earth, all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Be fishers of men baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And then, and then Jesus gives us and the disciples a promise. And this is the promise I want you to hold on to next time you feel overwhelmed, next time you feel like you have to take 10 days to pray about something before you move forward and just share the gospel or Jesus with somebody around you or pray for somebody I want you to remember this promise because this is the promise that gives us the strength to keep going when we feel like we aren't enough. Jesus says this, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with you. We, we can't get stuck just focusing on the fish that are already in the boat. It's great. Love that the boat's full, but man, can we fill it up even more? Go and make disciples of all nations in every corner of Plymouth County, in your lake, in your pond, in your ocean, everywhere you go. Remember that you are fishers of men, and there are so many more fish out there. And if you can't tell yet, I am very passionate about this. And the reason I'm so passionate about this is because this, what we're talking about this morning, is the exact reason Grace Church in West Bridgewater was planted almost three years ago. It's the exact reason Grace Church in Avon was planted almost 16 or 16 years ago. It's so that you would have more opportunities to bring your friends that are spiritually disconnected to a church and help them to find and follow Jesus. But this morning, I, there's a reality, and that's we have two different groups of people in the room. And the first one is this. We have the people in the room that you haven't started following Jesus yet. And that's okay. We're really, really glad you're here. I'm glad this morning that you get to hear about what we are about as Grace Church. But I have an action step for you. I think you can take this step this morning because there is a reason you're here. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, this is what Jesus says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. It is inconvenient following Jesus. Absolutely. There's nothing convenient about it. And I love every second of it. This morning, you're hearing about God's rescue plan. You're hearing that uh, about a plan that's rooted in love. You're hearing about a, a, a plan that's full of grace. And there's a reason that you're here this morning. You didn't just wander into a church. You are here for a reason. And maybe that reason was to surrender your life to Jesus and go all in. And if that is the reason, if right now God is tugging on your heart and you feel this burning desire in you, like, yes, that is me, you can do that. 
you can go all in this morning. Just pray to God and say, God, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I, I disobey you every day. I'm selfish towards others. I've made so many mistakes in my life, and I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm so sorry. And God, I'm going to commit from this moment on to surrender my life to you and follow Jesus. And, and over the course of my life, look more and more like Jesus every single day to be transformed. You can pray that this morning. Now, for those of you in the room that you've already answered the call to follow Jesus, I, I want to give you a call to action this morning. I want everyone, and I'm not kidding, I want everyone, before you leave this building, I want you to think of one person that doesn't know Jesus. Whoever just came to your mind, one person that doesn't know Jesus. And here's what I want you to do. And again, I'm not kidding. I want you to take out your cell phone and text that person this morning. This is one of those Moses at the Red Sea type moments. You don't need to pray and, and make sure this is okay with God first. Take out your phone and text somebody. It could be this simple. Hey, just thinking and praying for you this morning at church. Thankful that you're in my life. That's it. You're letting somebody know that they are seen. How many of us, so often we just need to know that we're seen by people. You're letting somebody know that they are seen. You're letting somebody know that you're thinking about them, that you're praying for them, that you care about them. Text that person this morning. And then the last action step is actually for all of you. Everybody, uh, I know you've been wondering, why are there fishing lures on our chairs? Well, here's why. I want all of you to bring that home. And I want it to be a reminder for those of you that are following Jesus, I want it to be a reminder for you that you are a fisher of men. That you are called to fish for those that are outside of these walls. Or maybe you haven't started following Jesus this morning and you're actually a fish. And what I want that lure to be a reminder of for you is that God sent his one and only son to die for you so that he could spend eternity with you. And I want you to every time look, every time you look at that fishing lure to be reminded of God's love and what Jesus did for you. So that hopefully someday you look at it and all of a sudden you are overwhelmed with the grace of God and you decide to go all in for him. Because it's your choice. See, here at Grace Church, our mission, it's far from over. In fact, we're still just getting started, and I'm so excited to continue fishing with all of you.